If you're enjoying these episodes of Yankton's Yardbirds, join us on our support site called buymeacoffee.com. Please consider clicking the support the show link included in the description of each show. You can choose to donate $5, 10 15 or $20, or you can become a member. Members will receive extra content that will be added as the shows progress. This will include pictures of the vets, audio interviews, maps, write-ups, and much more content that will be available to members only. Please consider making a donation or becoming a member soon. And as always, thank you for listening to Yankton's Yardbirds. This podcast has been sponsored by Dr. Dan Johnson from Yankton, South Dakota. Formed in 1974, National History Day is an organization that operates an annual project-based contest for students in grades 6 to 12. Yankton students have successfully participated many times, and one of their leaders has been YHS teacher Doug Haar. Please support Doug and Yankton students in National History Day. Thank you. Welcome to Yankton's Yardbirds, a podcast presenting the World War II stories of Yankton's veterans. After 165 interviews and countless hours of preparation, it's time to share these stories. As of now, they'll be shared by podcast and later will be presented in print. If you have questions, free to contact me at davidhosmer at hotmail.com. Please be advised that there is some offensive language within these interviews. When I'm speaking, I've added my language to more modern times. In a classic pincer move, the Japanese, with very little interference from the Americans, landed in northern Luzon on December 10th, with two days later in southern Luzon. Both of those landings were small, and MacArthur recognized that they were diversionary attacks. A common strategy before an infantry landing is to, quote, soften up or bomb the defenders. Japanese bombers targeted Nichols Field and Cabot Naval Base. Clark Field was bombed too. For a week after the attack, asserted Bob Phillips, we kept getting bombed by planes originating from Formosa. We tried to salvage airplane parts. About half our planes were destroyed, and we did the best we could. Their barracks were destroyed too. We slept in the foothills. Phillips realized the Philippines were nearly surrounded by the Japanese. Quote, didn't take long to figure that one out, unquote. What remained of the American airplanes departed, which was not a good sign. Phillips was ordered to accompany the planes. Quote, on the 15th of December, I was in a group of seven in the squadron who were designated to go to Mindanao at the Del Monte Airfield, unquote, a grass airstrip located in the Del Monte Pineapple Plantation. It was an outlier emergency air terminal for flights between the Philippines and Java. Quote, I didn't want to go. My friends were all at Clark Field, but all of them came a few weeks later. I went by Inner Island Steamer, unquote. A truck delivered him to the Pulangi River, which was on the defensive perimeter for Davao. All of the ground echelon, including Bob, were pressed into the inventory. The tankers, however, remained on Luzon. Walter's tank company left Clarkfield and traveled southward to protect Cabot Naval Base. As they passed through Manila, Walter saw MacArthur pinning medals on members of his staff, in spite of the fact that none had even seen any battle. 
He was not happy about that. When the tankers arrived at the town of Batangas, located southeast of Manila, the Japanese were literally on the other side of the city. Japanese forces made their third and largest landing along several points on the Lingayen Gulf side of the Luzon during the morning of December 22nd. Their goal was to first take Manila, the capital city, and then later the Bataan Peninsula. The Japanese needed Manila's deep water port. However, her ships would constantly be in harm's way if Corregidor was not first conquered. And even before that, they had to focus on Bataan. They planned to take Bataan by the 1st of February by bombing it into submission, and if that didn't work, then to storm the beaches. MacArthur's defensive plan was to slow the Japanese advance so the Americans could retreat into the Bataan Peninsula, which was so ordered on the 22nd of December. Four B-17s dropped bombs on the incoming Japanese transport ships. Every shell missed. As a result, only the weather really hampered the Japanese landing. The battle off Lingayen Gulf did not go well for the American army. MacArthur's troops did outnumber the Japanese troops, but they lacked support. Most of the Air Corps and Navy had already departed. Hart decided to relocate his Navy headquarters in the Dutch East Indies, and except for three gunboats and six patrol torpedo boats, otherwise known as PT boats, 40 American Navy surface ships were withdrawn. MacArthur could have used more artillery and armor too. Don Madrager, Cliff Hicks, and Arnold Albrecht and the other men of the Lucky 147th, along with their cannons, were in Australia. Had they arrived on Luzon, their artillery pieces likely would have been used extensively in the rear guard action. The tankers in Straka's A Company rushed northward toward the Lingayen Gulf to establish a defensive line with the Filipino forces. This was the beginning of Straka's several months of fighting. MacArthur faced other difficult decisions. Rather than move his headquarters to the Bataan, he instead ordered it to be relocated to the island of Corregidor. American radio operators were already there. As MacArthur planned his withdrawal from Manila in hopes of protecting its inhabitants, he declared it an open city. If honored by the Japanese, the undefended Manila would be exempt from attack. Warren Jorgensen was later told that America had important naval radios in the Malinta Tunnel. Quote, they were the codebreakers. These were the guys who broke the war at the Battle of Midway. My good buddy had the unquestionable pleasure of denying MacArthur access to that tunnel. There could be nobody unspecified who could go in there. It was highly sensitive. That was apparently some fantastic equipment in there. They closed up shop and they were put on subs and went to Australia. Nobody wanted them caught. They were that valuable, unquote. The Japanese expected to battle the Americans in and around Manila. All three landing forces were headed in that direction. MacArthur operated with a little sleight of hand here. He ordered the creation of several retreat lines beginning off the Lingayen Beach and then southeast toward the Bataan. MacArthur speculated that these defensive lines could stall the Japanese advance just long enough to permit his 28,000 North Luzon and 15,000 South Luzon troops to retreat into the Bataan. No temporary defensive line betrayed his plan to abandon Manila and retreat into the Bataan. As a result, the Japanese for several days still believed that Manila would be the location of a final battle. Straka's tank company was one of the units implementing MacArthur's rear guard action. They set up a defensive position between Bautista and Carmen on the north side of the Agno River. The tankers held that line on Christmas Day in the face of Japanese artillery, while two men set up machine guns on the bridge to harass the Japanese who were trying to cross the river at several locations. One of those men was August Bender, who was born in Yankton, South Dakota, on 10 January 1920 to Jacob and Mary Fifley Bender. 
The two gunners fired as long as they could, but were eventually surrounded and killed. The tankers were ordered to withdraw along Route 3 on the 26th. The retreat was done without the help of two divisions of Filipino infantry, which had already departed. The withdrawal was chaotic because the 194th didn't get a timely order. They had to travel upriver, but bridges were destroyed. The tanks dispersed to locate areas to ford the river, and several tanks were lost. Another day presented another withdrawal, and this time to a location north of Girona. Robert Phillips' friends who remained at Clark Field were evacuated by train to Bataan on the 28th of December. Tank leaders sent trucks to nearby warehouses, even as far as Fort Stotzenberg, to load up supplies. The next day, New Year's Eve day, the tankers retreated behind the Bamban River. When a tank was destroyed or disabled, the tankers became infantry. Walter was very blunt. During the battle, he could have been killed, quote, every minute. I should have died a thousand times, unquote. The rearguard action continued down Route 3, which was intersected by Route 7 at San Fernando. The 194th, which crossed a damaged bridge near San Fernando on New Year's Day, established a new defensive line, which paralleled Route 3 along Route 7, the direct route into the Bataan. Meanwhile, at Maravellas, on the southern tip of the Bataan, the China Marines unloaded, marched out of town, and bivouacked in Nippa huts, about three miles away. Nippa is a type of palm tree. The men were issued World War I steel helmets and more ammunition for their Springfield rifles, also World War I vintage. The same day, after being told that the Japanese landed about 20 miles up the coast, the Marines moved out to meet them. Warren still operated a truck, and he drove up the coast only to find out that it was a false alarm. Rumors among fighting men is common. They stayed there a couple of days under the stars and then drove back to Maravellas to camp under trees outside of town. The events on the 24th of December were real, however. That's when I first saw my first bomb, said Jorgensen. Three Japanese bombers flew over. Warren watched silver objects float to the earth and then saw the flames flutter from a French freighter as it sank. The men were nervous. Quote, We had guards around the camp at night for fear that the Filipinos might take our equipment. We heard someone fire their rifle. Someone went out to investigate, and he shot a caribou right between the eyes. Unquote. Christmas Day was peaceful and fulfilling as they ate a turkey dinner. However, thereafter the men were limited to two meals per day. Word reached them that the next day that the Japanese had landed at Lingayen Gulf and advanced southward to Alangapo. The Americans intended to scuttle the base, which irked Warren. His sea bag and trunk were there with all of his worldly goods. At that moment, the China Marines were convinced that they would face a combat in a frontline area. However, MacArthur ordered them and the Marines from near Cabot Naval Base to report to Corregidor. They arrived there on the 28th of December. It's difficult to adequately describe the chaos that ensued as a part of MacArthur's rearguard action after the Japanese landed at Lion Gulf. Men were on the move. They pulled back from the front lines and fought from new front lines again and again. Some men even ran into the jungle where they waged a guerrilla warfare. Just because the China Marines were on Corregidor Island did not mean they were safe. The Japanese first bombed the island on December 29th. All the members of the Far East headquarters were instructed on Christmas Eve to relocate to Corregidor. MacArthur moved that same day after celebrating a shortened Christmas with his wife and son, who received a tricycle as a present that day. Army leaders arrived at Corregidor just after midnight. MacArthur ordered that most severely wounded men to be evacuated. Arvid Danielson struck his friend from A Company who was one of those men. The Red Cross hired the USS Macton and used the Swiss to negotiate with the Japanese to provide safe passage. 
There was last-minute confusion, but in the early morning hours of New Year's Day, the Mactan shipped out. The Japanese occupied Manila on the 2nd, and the Mactan arrived in Darwin, Australia on the 9th of January. MacArthur's rear guard action plan neared completion. The southern Luzon forces had crossed over the Columpa Bridge at 3.30 a.m. on New Year's Day and raced northwest in San Fernando because they could not travel due west through the swamps. Between the 2nd and the 4th, the 192nd tanks guarded Route 7, while the 194th tanks guarded the bridges along the way. Each of the 184 bridges leading to the Bataan would eventually be blown by the Americans to delay the Japanese attacks. Route 7 becomes an east-west highway on the way to Subic Bay, and it does not pass into the Bataan. At the Layak Junction, a north-south road leads from Route 7 into the Bataan. A battalion of Japanese infantry and artillery attacks the 192nd tanker south of Labao. The tanks turned their machine guns on the attackers, and most were massacred. Later that day, 5,000 men defending Layak crossed the Kulo River on the last bridge to be blown at 6 a.m. on the 7th of January. South of the river, the combined American-Filipino forces created a defensive position known as the Aboke Line, which stretched across the eastern half of the Padan Peninsula from Mount Natib to Manila Bay. All of the troops on MacArthur's command had finally arrived in the Bataan. In our next podcast, we'll discuss the battle for the Bataan Peninsula. If you are interested in sponsoring an episode of Yankton's Yardbirds, please contact David Hosmer at davidhosmer at hotmail.com. All content for this podcast was created by David Hosmer, and all production was performed by Eric Berenger. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yankton's Yardbirds.